So this bolt of lightning shot across the universe and inspired me with the idea that we have to do a podcast. And that's what I wanted to tell you. We should do a podcast. Okay, bye. Okay. So we're record. recording. Okay. Record. Welcome to... I did it. You did it. I did it. Great. Good uh, job. Welcome to Feature Creep, colon. Building microwaves. That's my colon. Even... Just because... No, no. <laughs> yes. I mean, go ahead. But even though... Uh, okay. Even, even though, though art can go south sometimes, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't try. Yes. There you go. Right. Professionals. <laughs> this is only the, what, like 135 or something? I don't know. We've done a few episodes at this know. point. You think we'd have this together? At least I said microwave this time and not microphone. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Good story. This The inspiration for this episode is another episode of someone else's show. And it's the episode of Peter Draws where he draws on his face with a Sharpie marker. Yes. Yeah. And it's great because it's hilarious. And he has some like, it's only about six minutes long. But the whole time he's narrating what was going through his head. And there's this one part where he's like, it just, even though it kept getting worse and worse, I kept going. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know, maybe hoping that somehow... Even though it was only getting worse, it would suddenly get good again. Yes. <laughs> and he's drawing, he's just drawing in, like he's <clears throat> facing the camera and you just have this like really tight cropped shot of him. Or it's just his face. Yeah, yeah. just right. his face. And he's just drawing directly onto his face with a Sharpie. And he's just making these like just bizarre marks and like it's just and at some point he references having done it before but yes. it's no longer on his channel right but it turned out better somehow mm-hmm. um, and this time it turned that's out strangely awful. topical for introducing me oh we've yeah done it before but that's not anywhere on your channel yeah so technically speaking so uh lauren welcome to the podcast lauren has uh, been i'm so happy to be here i've heard <laughs> yes. so much about it and yes. excited to finally join you all right so you'll Here's probably lauren. you'll be hearing more of lauren later on down the road because we recorded some of her earlier um a couple of weeks ago but we haven't published those yet so this will probably be published before them but whatever it's yeah fine. it's fine it's fine. not a it's not a serial recording i it's think just, you should just tell ones. people that i'm back after being on the show several times and then people can look through previous <laughs> ones being like where was that <laughs> right what? yes and I then in a couple say, weeks some? in a couple of weeks they'll be like oh this is the one they were talking about <laughs> yeah. yeah yep yep all um, right um, yeah, so we'll definitely go back and edit that out and then fix that so that, you know, because we do heavy editing on the show, as we've discussed before. Right. So yeah. much right. editing. All I mean, so I'm up to my eyeballs in editing. <laughs> Through the magic of editing. Yeah. I mean, that's probably from my limited understanding of the show. That's probably the thing you spend the most time on. <laughs> to be fair, yep. it, it is. <laughs> and it shows. And it shows. <laughs> I think that's what's called uh, transparency in art. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So our art is transparent. Our art is totally transparent. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I think this is a good title for, uh, it's definitely a philosophy we have about doing art. Mm -hmm. It's worth it for its own endeavor. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think about, um, I had a, I had an art teacher once who, um, 
who was kind of giving a lecture and, and he was saying how uh, he was trying to kind of convey the, uh, the concept that art does not exist in a vacuum. And, um, and what he meant by that was that it doesn't like, it needs everyone to participate in it. Like it's not just mm-hmm. its own thing. Like it is, it is part of the art is how people interact with it and how people experience it and how, you know, the artist experiences it, how other people who are can like, you know, perceiving the art, how they experience it. But all I could think of the whole time was when I was in England, I'd gone to, um, like some, some annex of the Tate, I believe, or something. And it was some like modern art thing and and, great museum name, by the way. Yeah. And, um, and we were, we, we were like walking around and like, you know, there were these like crazy modern art exhibits or whatever. And, and I have lots of commentary for that for a later episode, but weirdly in a hallway, like a, like a stairwell, there was a white wall and on the wall was a little white shelf and there was a little plaque and on the shelf was the content. There was a vacuum cleaner bag that had been pulled inside out and laid out on top of the shelf. And it just said contents of vacuum cleaner bag in the name of the artist. <laughs> And all I could think about the whole time, because he was always saying, like, art doesn't exist in a vacuum. Art doesn't exist in a vacuum. He was, like, hammering it home. And <laughs> oh. the whole time, all I could think about was, like, hold on a second. That art existed in a vacuum. Yeah. So, oh, that's um, so anyway, but it's great. funny to come full circle, because I, I had seen that maybe when I was, like, 18 or 19. And then I was, like, in my 30s when I was taking that, finishing my college degree and um, taking this, you know, yeah. general ed art course. And anyway, it's good times. Nice. Um, yeah. So art, art does and doesn't exist in a vacuum. That's how I would amend that statement. <laughs> it, <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I think it's interesting. Like when you make a piece of art, as soon as it's made, like it doesn't really belong to you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes. If I wanted to be like a, a you know, a semantic dick or whatever, I could be like, well, the art, actually didn't exist in a vacuum because it wasn't really art until you like took it out of the vacuum and put it on Ugh. a shelf and somebody looked at it. But that's sort of, but funny. I mean, if we're going to argue semantics, wouldn't it be that the art came from inside the vacuum? Sure. But yeah. it didn't exist in the vacuum. But if it, so it your argument, really your, your argument is that the, the state of it being art didn't happen until after it was removed from the inside of the vacuum. Yeah. Mm. Until it was experienced. I mean, I'm making your teacher's point that like the art, like the like the artist was mm-hmm. removing it from the vacuum and putting it on a shelf, and then other people are looking at. So it. you come here on my podcast to argue <laughs> against me? Oh, no, I'm just joking. Um, I, well, I special I, guest Lauren, special guest Lauren. Yeah, <laughs> my work here is done. Yes. I guess I go home now. Lauren on her her first and last episode. <laughs> um, no, I. You'll just edit me out of this. Yeah, won't you? right, right. Yeah, we'll just edit that part out. Yeah. yeah. And we'll just cut in when you were like, and Ned, you're right. And I'll be like, I know, I know. I know. Um, Say no more. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I think that's kind of the point of art is that you can like one of the delights some people find in art is the that literal argument right there is just discussing whether, whether it means one thing or another. Oh yes. I I would agree. Like, or at least I, I feel like I have seen people engage with art in that way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. So. Um, well, uh, 
what uh what other kind of art should we talk about in I the like context art, of, I well, like art failures. Art failures. I do, I do too. I yeah. was going to share my favorite my favorite <gasps> art do. professor yes. story. I'd love to hear your that. art professor story. Yeah, let's yeah. Cuz we don't go on tangents, so we got to stick to the topic. Topic, which, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, they warned me of those rules before I came on this, my first episode. Yeah. Very strict. Mm-hmm. Super strict Adherence rules. Yes. to the outline. Right. Yes. yes. Got to do the outline. Right. <laughs> and um, yeah, I was doing a sculptural welding class when I was ah. finishing my degree in my 30s. And High I, five right there. <laughs> High five. Go team. Go team. Yeah. And my, I really enjoyed this. My professor was like, well, like, you know, whatever, how are you going to do this? And like makes a suggestion and I'm like, well, but then I'll have this problem. And, and my, my professor just like super matter of factly is like, look, Lauren, like part of being an artist is making what's in your head with the time resources and skills that you have available. Like <laughs> basically like birthing this thing in whatever way you can at this moment. Mm-hmm. And I always just really liked that as a like, yeah, that's right. Like, I, I like that as as the genesis of like, what does it mean to be an artist? Is mm-hmm. to basically <laughs> take an idea and create it in varying degrees of like inaccuracy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like that you can keep trying it the same idea and come up with different results every time too. Right, and like at different points in time, you have different resources or skills or knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And Um, it's art every time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think there's some really... And some of them will be shitty. Yeah. That's also implied in that. Like Mount Rushmore is some shitty art. Mm. Oh, God. This is kind of the worst. It's such terrible art. I mean, for sure it's art because it's sculpture, but like also... I, I feel like in some ways it really like captures the American, like the the existence of of, um, the U.S. It's like... Oh yeah, Mount Rushmore. Everybody's heard of that. Like it's worth going to see. like you should go see it. It's like this massive monument. Spectacle. You know it's private and you have to pay to get in, right? So no, like, I've actually God. never been to Mount Rushmore. I've never been, been I've never been either, but I my understanding it's not it's not like publicly held. Like it is a private mountain that you not have sure. to pay to get into. Yeah. <clears throat> like that in I itself is just like the whole monument, thing. Right? No. 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 All right. <clears throat> I mean, now we got to fact check that, but um, let's fact check Rushmore. I'm writing that down. Rushmore. But you're right; it just isn't good art. It's not. Uh, oh, I am wrong. It is a national memorial. Oh, but you still have to pay to get you in. You still can pay to get in, yeah, because that's what we're all about here—is paying for shit. Fees mm-hmm. and passes. How much is a fee? Yeah, or what pass? does it cost to see Mount Rushmore these days? Yeah, what well, is I don't the know. Fee? Good question. I mean, does this mean this is now an educational podcast? Uh, it's, I mean, it's $10 per vehicle or whatever. So it's, it's national park, national memorial parking pass fees rates. Never mind. That whole statement just feels like it falls apart. It was a lie. The face. We'll edit that I, why did I, why did some, I feel like somebody told me that. Probably they this did. This is one of those things where it's like, you just kind of, it sounds too real. So you're just like, yeah, that must be real. Yeah. So anyway. Sure. Well, uh, okay, amended, and uh, we'd like to, ex- wait, what, put out a retraction or whatever, retraction? Retraction. Retraction. We'd like to retract the statement Amend. wherein What's we claim. What's a retraction and a redaction? Redaction means that you strike it from the record by, like, blacking it out or making it inaccessible, yeah. and retraction means that you admit that something gotcha. was incorrect and you are taking back the statement that is now known to be false. I will, I will. 
Excellent. gladly admit that that is a uh, false statement. Interesting. Anyway, still, as far as I can tell, the U.S. is basically for sale. I mean, that seems to be most uh, most people seem to have that feeling when they come here to visit. Right. Yeah, right. Everything here is for sale. Yeah, but bad art. National, yeah, the uh, Mount Rushmore kind of bad art. Um, I mean, it's not great. No, it's horrible. It's stupid and ugly. Yeah, and it just seems like such a waste. It is. Like a waste a- of a mountain and a waste of time and, you know, oh, man. And, uh, your point about it, like, summarizing America, it, like, I feel like also when you add in the whole, like, stolen land piece, like, right. you I mean, stole <laughs> land to make this shitty art? Uh-huh. A bunch of giant like, faces. Like, it just is. Yeah. <laughs> it's like just a bunch of weird men's faces smashed together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not even attractive. Right. It's Nobody not wants even to be confronted with this. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Plus, isn't there like a bunch of rubble at the bottom? That like all the, the stones that the they've blasted they off? off? It's just like, yeah, it's just like scattered around the bottom. Typical. Mm-hmm. Bunch of men can't clean up after themselves. <laughs> Big giant ones. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's shitty art. Um, so wait, wait, I are saying that even though that's shitty art, they shouldn't, they still good thing they tried. Well, uh, in that case, because they like forcibly carved some shit into some land that other people found meaningful at the time, I think it seems like a shitty thing to do. Right, right. Um, I mean, I don't know about things being sacred forever, but. Like, well, I. Mm. This kind of reminds me of like when the Christian Crusades were happening, and they just like showed up in Egypt and just carved over a bunch of shit. Uh huh. They're like, yes. nah, we're done with this now. Put a cross on it. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, like I was reading that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading that. Said some shit. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Well. So art, though. Um. I think. Yeah, Mount Rushmore aside and whether that was a good idea or a bad idea. I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, that does actually a little bit beg the question. Raises the question. Raises the question. When is the, um, a question was raised. A question was raised. And I'm about to ask it. Oh, my God. Um, now I want to know. Is there, is there a certain kind of art that maybe isn't worth doing? Um and that might be art that, like, at the expense of a lot of other people. I was just going to say anything that harms other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in that case, like, I like I once read that these people, like, put like a seven forty seven in the desert or some stupid shit for <sighs> like two weeks because they wanted to have a party and like it was going to be art and they like impacted so many people in so many people's lives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In order to and getting it there and then like. Were they like, able to le- get it out? Because no, it seems like that. They just let they like my understanding is that they were supposed to take it out and then they just hit it. Yeah. And they didn't. But, you know, it's a 747. So, so you can't actually hide well. it. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was just sort of like, yeah, yeah, we moved it. And then and then it was still there, like under a tarp, except you can't. There's no tarps this, that large. So it was just oh kind of tucked God. away behind a mountain somewhere. That's right. And um, but my understanding is like it was like. 
had to move through towns where they had to like disconnect power lines, yep. which means people had to be without power for a while because they wanted to drive their 747 through their town. Yeah. I think actually they had to drag it because it's not operational in any way. Right. So yeah. So they, they towed it mm-hmm. with other large vehicles. Mm-hmm. Right. A, a, basically a shell of a plane. Yeah. Yeah. Also this, this also leads me to say another thing about art. Art is not just about how much money you can throw at a thing to make it yeah. Like happen. Yeah. I, in a lot of cases, the most interesting art is the art that arises out of something that isn't well financed. <laughs> right. Yes. Like you deciding that you're going to pay a bunch of people to make a thing and then you're going to call it your art is mm-hmm. unacceptable. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, I would argue like, you know, some of the very best art I've seen comes from that Peter Draws channel on YouTube. Yeah, he's fantastic. It's amazing. It's not well financed. I mean, he's getting there, which is great for him, but that doesn't, you know, it's, I love it. It's just, it's just raw him producing art every mm-hmm. day. It's great. Well, since I'm here to like come on your channel and argue yes. with you, please do. Right. Yes. I, I would just say like art can come from either places. Like you can have well financed or a poorly financed art. Sure. Like it sort of, doesn't matter i guess is sort of what i guess i'm like maybe formulating or or thinking about formulating this opinion that like Mm. that i feel like how well financed it is it has an impact but it it doesn't feel like it's in any way defining whether the art is worthwhile or not Uh, well how about this i i would argue that um well-financed art is a defining characteristic of of that art like almost Hmm. universally i don't i can't think of any example of well-financed art that doesn't immediately smack of being well-financed art oh yeah what about books people books written by authors who've become famous Mm -hmm. um but that that doesn't I, i i mean are you saying that it de- it depends. I mean, I think it still carries. Like, I'm trying to think of a book. Like, if a book is well financed by, like, say, a publisher because they believe that it's going to be sell well, mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. smacks of that. Like, it does. Like, okay. it's the like you think think about think about the books that became amazing after the fact, like that did well, like such as um, like uh, The Martian. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. That he was not paid by a publisher, as far as I know, <coughs> no. to write that book. No, he open sourced it. Yeah. He crowdsourced the information and had people helping him do the math and stuff so that it was accurate. Like he yeah. wrote it online. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I, I mean, and obviously, I, you know, I, I don't mean that in an absolute capacity. It's just, I just think that just generally speaking, well-financed has the impact of making something look like it's well-financed. Well, that's like, probably because the people directing what the art looks like are not artists. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, it, it's not like, it's you not know, like, universally like the crazy case. Crazy rich people commission paintings of shit. It's like obvious that like the, it, the subject matter or the style in which right. it's painted or something will belie the fact that somebody other than the artist thought it up. Right. And wanted it made. I think, I think maybe, in you have something go ahead i want to hear what you have to say you have thoughts i guess i just i just feel like that's just a hard statement to make like art i guess 
I like that art is so big mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that I can't make a statement like that. Like, I don't know the financial details of all of, say, classical composers. Like, I, could I really say that all classical music, like, for composers <clears throat> that that operated in a time when there was real patronage, mm-hmm. like, can I say that there is uh, the music created by those who were being well-funded by a patron, it, you know, is markedly different or notice, notably defined by its well-financedness than that composed by people who were living in relative poverty. Mm. Like, art has existed for so long and over so much time. I think possibly in the modern age you could make that argument, but I, it just seems like art is too big to make that as a defining... I kind of think of this thing. as like Heisenberg's uncertainty principle of art. Ooh, <laughs> okay. If you are heavily financing art, there's no way that that heavy financing can't not affect the art that comes out of it. Okay. That I maybe that feels like something I can agree with more. Yeah. And I don't know that and I maybe, can say how those things are different, but like when you just said that, I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. It yeah. def- there's definitely like kind of a, a like a negative connotation to being like, oh it smack like I use the terms like smacks it up. smacks of right. like oh that tastes sour and bitter. I already know. Mm-hmm. Like because Right, or like what about food? Like can you uh, well, no, that one would prove your point, but Food is art. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit. I'm kind of making the argument that you can tell because of the way it is. It's like, it's like, oh, you can tell it's well financed because it's made of materials that cost a lot of money. That doesn't necessarily. Which is why I brought up writing or music where it's like, yeah, that is clear. I mean, I think, um, I, I'm not, I, I'm not like steeped in art history to speak to that point. Um, I think maybe there could be some argument to be made about, um, you know, when we're talking about like classical composers where um, some of that was financed in a sense, right? Like they were, you know, patronage and things Mm -hmm. like that. Um, Some of that came out of, when you said that, what I was thinking about is if you think about um, the music that comes out of cultures. Mm -hmm. So like, um, I'm I'm thinking of like black jazz, for instance, mm-hmm. like you know, and it's it, versus the sort of sanitized versions of it that were financed. Sure, like that kind of situation where it's like, like I, go ahead. Yeah, well, yeah, like jazz is a completely American form of music, and it came straight from black people. Like, right, it didn't exist in any form before that. Right, right, and black Americans and like the particular experiences and conditions yeah you know that they had and you know the all the societal components that kind of i don't know i want to say pressures really yeah Mm -hmm. i mean for me art seems like the shit that's going on out here through the lens of me reinterpreting it onto something else yeah, I mean, I would argue at this point we've just kind of we're stumbling into the whole the age old question of like art and money. Yeah, which is uh, that's really exactly just what like, I wrote down in the notes. Like, what is the relationship between art and money? Well, and that that's what I liked about. I mean, to bring it back to that story I told of my professor's comment, but like that like idea that you what it means to be an artist is to like create this thing you have in your head with the one of the pieces is the resources that are available to you. And yeah. I think, you know, I, I like resources more than just money because it encompasses 
feel like it just encompasses more things. Mm. I think when you specifically bring up money, it brings up power. Of course. And so I, I like your your question about art and money, but it feels very specific or more specific. Mm. You can launder lots of money through art. Yeah. Oh, yes. So there's a huge like black market. There's like people who make illegitimate money put it all into art and real estate all the time. Like, yes, in part because art is so subjective. Which is one of the it's things that I find hilarious about the concept of overpriced NFT artwork. Because yes. It's like, well, if it's going to be that expensive, <laughs> the only place people are going to get this money from is the black market. And you can't right. do that in a blockchain because everyone will know. Yeah. But it's anonymous. Yeah. How do you launder money in blockchain? You don't. You don't. That's what I thought. <laughs> well, you the, you just you launder it you Can't launder you it the same way you launder it anywhere else, which is that you it all happens in the front and the back, it, like yeah. uh, at the transition. Once you stages. put it into this, exactly, it's the act of yeah. putting it into the system. It being in the system is the the kind of the worst way. It's like once it oh, enters that's the end goal. The goal is to get it. And once it's in the system, it has already been laundered. So you yeah, launder it. Yeah, you kind of you can't have to. Uh, you can't. You can't have to. Words English fail me now. Um, <laughs> they're not it, like the blockchain is so the the blockchain is such that you by its very nature know exactly all of the transactions that have ever happened. So it it in it in of it in and of itself cannot give you any protection. Right. All you can do is find like you know what it can do is connect you from one point to another point that's out of the reach of some authority or something right, right? so like yes. you can enter on one end that's being watched and then hopefully come out on another end that's that that's no longer controlled and they're like well we know where the money went from here to there but, but over there we can't find box. out what happened after right. that so sure. the, um, the scent goes cold yeah and so in that regard it's it's kind of the trail like, goes cold the trail yeah, goes tra the scent trail goes cold i don't yeah, know you know what i'm saying know. yes right something yes the trail Words. goes cold when the scent is lost. That's right. There you nice. go. Lauren's got it. Lauren's Lauren's paying attention. Wordsmith. Um, yeah. So that's that's interesting to me. Like, uh, like a goddamn languager over here. The like, <clears throat> and also like artists who take lots of money to make commissioned art are just aiding and abetting the dominant culture. Hmm. Oh, and like yes. aiding and abetting the like retelling of history mm -hmm. as belonging to specific people. Yes, like right. that. I would agree with just. 100 and you fuckers 110 percent. <laughs> make those fucking people paint their own faces right. <laughs> have you no integrity no have you no ethics i have this book of artwork by a guy named mr fish <clears throat> and one of his <laughs> one of his sketches uh -huh. is of him like making a piece of art that's got this like guy's photo on it and it underneath it it says like the beginning part of motherfucker, but it isn't finished yet. And the man who's painting it is, is standing there. And the artist is like, can I have some money to finish my painting? <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, I don't remember exactly what the caption is, but it's something about the word fuck. Or uh -huh. And he can't finish it until he gets money from that guy. That person he's painting. It's very funny. That's, that's great. Uh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, I mean, is this where we also talk about the Banksy piece that, that went through the paper shredder. Oh, that's delightful. That's yeah. so great. Yeah. Like as soon as it was sold. Yeah. Say, somebody else tell the story. Uh, because I'm not, I don't not know that it that well. Familiar yeah, with it. go ahead. I, I, 
I'm now a tiny bit worried it wasn't Banksy, but that's it was. Like, it I, was. Okay. Yeah. Great. So yeah, uh, it was a piece that went to auction, I believe, at Sotheby's, and it was in a frame. And as soon as the auction ended, like the hammer hit and it was like sold, the painting dropped and the lower portion of the frame w- concealed a paper shredder mm-hmm. and the piece just dropped into it and mm-hmm. came out the other side shredded. shredded. That's excellent. And the, the video is, is so satisfying to watch. Also, were the concept. People, like, what, what were people's reactions to this? There's only like, I feel like the video I've seen only has about three or four people in the shot. So oh. that you can see the art <clears throat> and the people. Like, you can't see the auctioneer. So you, it's only like these reaction shots. But like, it's just shock and horror. You know, like, oh! Like that kind of horror of like breath catching. I think like one yes. person puts their hand over their their mouth, but like there's like stunned, shocked, surprise. Excellent. Possibly, I think there's like, I mean, I may be making this up, but I feel like in the background there's one person who like starts chuckling halfway through. Like there's one person who gets it pretty quick and they start like kind of chuckling to themselves. I, I but, would be, if I was in that room when that happened, I would be escorted out for how disruptive my <laughs> laughter would be. I know. <laughs> I'd get kicked out right away. I think that, you know, that's mm-hmm. this is why I don't go to funerals too. Right. <laughs> Has the production team fact checked me? Did uh yeah, yeah, no, you're right. I mean there's there's lots of speculation online about the nature of the event, but um what you describe is how it happened. So um Oh, and how much did it sell for? Oh, uh well, the article I'm reading doesn't even mention because they're too wrapped up in whether or not it was a PR stunt or not, which is probably well, what's one point four million. One point four, okay. Well, but like, what do you mean debating whether or not it's a PR? St- what do you mean debating whether or not it's a PR stunt? Like, I feel like I don't know. It they, is a PR stunt. Yeah, like, it's it's performance art. Like, yeah, they're just you know <laughs> they're just like. You know, they're just speculating about like whether people knew and who knew and why and whether it was, yeah, anyway, it's just all, you know. Um, I have this like very uh, weird, weird sort of feeling about or like, like relation to the art world, especially at that level. Like, I don't, I, I, I find it, I find it hard to appreciate some of the art because it seems so self-referential to a point where it's almost seems like unaccessible to most people. I mean, sure. Yeah. I'm I'm not. Yeah. Like I, it just kind of like, um, what's his name? Andy Warhol, just like kind Andy of Warhol bites a big one. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was going to bring up that movie as a good example of a very underfunded prog- pro- uh, project that had exceptional impact or I mean, at least on my life. Yes. Um, the movie Ruben and Ed, Mm, are mm -hmm. are you familiar with it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it just is a really excellent movie and it's well shot and it's well acted and like the line, like the line, the writing is good. Howard Hussman and Crispin Glover. Yeah. It's just a dead cat and a dead cat and a (laughs) venture in the desert. Like it's just everything you want out of a movie. Um, delightful. Yeah. It's really, um, the pacing is good. It's well directed. Like, yeah, yeah, it really, and it's not like a high budget film by any means. Um, but I highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. But of course, it. even not high budget films still take a lot of money. 
Well, like that's the other thing about. Well, I mean, I guess that's what I like about your term, well funded, because yes. like versus uh, expensive. Point point because made. Yeah, you can have a poorly funded film that is still very expensive. I guess is all I meant. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Sure. Do you yeah. remember when Waterworld was the most expensive movie ever made? Yes, uh-huh. I do. Oh my goodness! And there was so much pants shedding about it, and it cost like. I don't even remember. Twenty million, a hundred million? I don't remember. It was like an insane amount of money at the time. Time that like, like now is yes. yeah. But it wasn't very good. <laughs> no, it was not. That was not a good movie. Oh, I heard that they're filming the next Mad Max movie. <gasps> Speak. Oh, I was just going to say. Cool. Speaking of good movies, though. Yeah. Well, okay. only Fury Road. The other ones. Fury Road was great. I is, mean, the, the one Fury Road Beyond is Thunderdome is pretty great. Fury Road is one of the best movies ever made. Right. Beyond Thunderdome is, I would say, you could say is enjoyable, but it's I like do not think you would classic. say it is good. Right. It's a cult classic. Fury Road is like good. Good. In multiple ways by like what I would think you could say are more I saw that movie measures. six times in the theater. So Fury Road. Yeah. yeah. With yeah. different people so, every time. Yeah. I, I love that movie so much. Yeah. It's excellent. I love that they built every single one of those cars. I know. Oh my god! It's so great. It's yeah. and Wonderful. you can read about all of them. It's if you ever need a rabbit hole to dive down, and if you have any interest in like yes. any gearhead tendencies, fuck yes! It's so fascinating because like they talk all about like what was the frame, like how do they put it together. Like they'll tell you all about the parts they had to build or make, which ones had problems, like mm-hmm. were plagued by problems, like which ones basically were the most dangerous to drive because of like the torque issues or, or like, you know, right. Like however it was constructed. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, I believe the one that is the bullet farmers that has the treads on it. Oh, is is like possibly the most dangerous to drive. Like it's, yes, it's, uh, barely functional. I believe. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty great. But yeah, they, they built every single one of those. It's fabulous. They it's worked fantastic. for the time that you see on film and no longer. <laughs> no, 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 some of them are do still work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like a couple of them they had real problems with. Shockingly, <laughs> shockingly fitting together multiple components that are not meant to go together. Uh-huh. Yeah. Even when you have a well-funded machine shop, oh my still God. can present quite a few problems. Sometime we'll have to get Andy to tell us about the work that we did on a car that we worked on one time. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah. Mm. We put in a um, big giant alternator that mm-hmm. was way, way, way bigger than the car mm-hmm. would have allowed for normally. And we had to take a bunch of shit out of like move it out of the way in the engine bay. And then we like machined parts for it so that we could put it in the car because we wanted to be able to run a lot of juice through the car. Sure. Right, right. But right. then like, how are you going to mount it? And yeah, what are you mounting it to? We used like a, a plow truck alternator, I think. Oh, that's awesome. It was yeah. enormous. And uh-huh. we had to build this like metal arm and everything. It was crazy. Um, but that's, really fun. Yeah. Um, well, I, yeah, and I mean all of these things like I I think I think maybe it holds generally like with the axiom that uh the only art worth not worth doing is the art that harms others. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, otherwise no, like, like this having, again. you know, I, and and that definitely like opens up a lot of questions about like the ethics of like heavily financed art and who actually like or yeah. just where money comes from in general or like what it means yep. to pay all that money and all of the impact of like having done that. I mean in some ways and no it, art is worth it because existing as a human has impact on your environment and it, it becomes a, you know, but rather than going down that slippery slope, 
I think we can we can loosely draw a line in the sand to say that generally speaking, art is worth doing regardless of the outcome. Um, with with the exception of harming yeah. others, yeah, yeah, with harming of others, I think that seems like a, a pretty reasonable place to start. Yeah, and I do I do think that um, if listeners yeah uh, have instances they feel would argue against this, they should share them with us. Yeah, right. if this is the very first episode you're listening to, um, you can <laughs> email us at uh, so you can email Dana, our executive assistant. That's D A N A at fcbm.io, or you can just go to fcbm.io, and we have all our contact information there. Um, I, we don't we don't do any advertising or anything, so you going there doesn't really help us out much. Um, other than if it helps us out in the sense it helps you out if you want to get a hold of us. Um, yeah, we don't do advertising actually on the podcast or on the website or anywhere or anywhere. Is that because you want to make ethical art? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't, I mean, we've talked about, I think we've thought about like the only kind of advertising we would do would basically just be to promote similar, similar projects that sure. we're working on, like our own or friends. Yeah. Um, like we own, I host a friend's podcast now or we, we host a friend's podcast on the, yeah. on the server. Um, that's uh popafire.com. He's got a, how art works. That's a good podcast. There's about mm-hmm. 10 or 11 episodes right now. It's, it's definitely more highly produced and probably more considered and thoughtful in very specific ways. Yeah. Um, he interviews artists that he knows and he lives in Australia. So probably most of them are Australian. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but anyway, <laughs> a good friend of mine. I really enjoy that show. Um, I also enjoy some of my friends who like to make weird bitey motions towards the microphones. Right. Um, yeah. So we have Papa Fire. It's so soft. <laughs> it, it is, is very soft, like yeah. a munchie. Papafire.com. Yeah, Papafire.com. For that, for yeah. that podcast. Yeah, for that podcast. How art works. Yeah, how art works. Yeah. And um, I like I like making art with people. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I love making art by myself too. Sure. Yeah. Which is usually like a very introspective process or like a cathartic process, but I love making art with other people because it's just so much fun. Yes. You all get together and make a thing. Uh, yes Mm -hmm. yes and like it just changes i feel like it changes the energy the it it feels like a more dynamic experience like i mean like my personal like whatever spiritual philosophical moral standpoint is that like humans are meant to made for come from uh interdependency like humans don't really function well in in a vacuum either. Right, <laughs> don't right. Function in a vacuum, and so that like we've talked about art as a concept of like uh, social communication. Right. Yeah, we've yeah. talked about that. I've talked about it before, which means our listeners haven't can heard, look forward heard, to that look forward in the to future. That. Yeah. Um. And so, yeah, I, I think anytime you include a, a social collaborative, I think it is almost impossible. For for people to work with someone else and not have it generate sort of by definition something they they couldn't or wouldn't have done on their own. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So sort of the definition of, well, I don't know. If, actually, that's I was going to say definition of the sum is greater. Uh, the sum of the parts is greater than, than the value of the individual components, which is right. not the actual phrase, but I'm actually the not whole, sure. The whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Thank you. Yeah. That's it. I got you. Now. Right. 
But I actually don't know that that's, that that actually piece isn't true. I guess it's just the, in, the influence. It's um, yeah. I mean, it's like magnitude. I guess like mm-hmm. an order of magnitude. Yeah. Yeah. I also find it. Um, like Megan and I've worked on a lot of projects at this yeah. point, and yeah. I really enjoy. I enjoy like the. I enjoy the novelty of it because I don't know where it's going. Mm-hmm. Like when I'm, when I'm making art for myself, I can kind of have that experience. It's true. Like I don't necessarily know what I'm going to end up with because I don't know when I start, but generally I'm like, when I think about what I'm going to do, then I'm trying to execute that. Right. Like it's mm-hmm. not, whereas I don't know how it's going to be received with you know, as we're working on it together and like Meg is like, you know, she's going off in one direction. I'm going off in another and mm-hmm. we're kind of like looking at each other and suddenly like there's something in the middle that's like yeah. unexpected. Aha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And delightful. Like puppets. Like puppets. Yeah. I, I mean, we yeah. can edit this out, you know, if, it, if it's not relevant, but I also feel like you've, uh, you have communicated to me a sense of like aliveness that you get from, the results of like Meg just even sort of touching or being involved with the creation of something. Yeah. That, that, that novelty, but like that, that novelty, like just sort of is like imbibed in sort of both the experience and the object. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, that, that sense of life or aliveness, it, mm-hmm. to, which to me is a step beyond novelty. Right. Yeah. And I think, I mean, at least for me, my, in my experience, like it, it's nice to have, um, have that kind of interaction, like the, to kind of forward my own process about Mm -hmm. thinking and like to keep things alive and feeling fresh and new and considered Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of like, if there are, I'm thinking of like, there's this couple that makes art together and they make it out of like textiles. Mm-hmm. God, who am I thinking of? They did like don't huge know. installations. Um, what made you think of them? Well, because I'm thinking about people who make art with other people. Ah, like right. Famous. Right. Um, like famous art duos or like art people who work together. I, I think... Mm-hmm. I like, I think about, um, I think about like when we, when we are working on art projects or whatever projects we're working on, I think about it like kind of like being in a band. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like it's not that different from, you know, working with anyone else on any kind of creative process. Um, yeah. And I think like there's always power. Well, not always. Like, I don't feel like we ever have power struggles, right? Yeah. <laughs> but like, I think a lot of times, like until now, any project, right. Yeah. No, it starts today. Um, I I'm so glad I could win. Actually, me. we were talking about that the other day. Like that's kind of the cornerstone of our friendship is that there are, there's nothing to argue or there's no resource to argue over. Yeah. But anyway, For sorry. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, um yeah, like I'm. Who are these people? I'm. Tr- I'm gonna try and think of who they are. I'm. I'm. I'm gonna Google Cornerstone. I don't know if it's a Cornerstone. It's just a facet. Something that 
you know, it, it's an emergent property of our friendship that I noticed. I feel like it's like our friendship is based on this agreement that we'll never have an argument. Um, uh, yeah. That is not, not the case. I mean, it's probably because you guys have such a, a strong set of rules that govern your friendship. That's probably what it yes. is. Yes. Super yeah. rigid, unflinching. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, in I some mean, ways. I'm just an outsider. So like, yeah. Know, take my, my views with a grain of salt. But Right, right. <laughs> Your salty views. Salty views. Yeah. Oh, well, this is salty. interesting. So my modern Met <laughs> yes. uh, wrote a piece about seven different couples who make art together. Oh, that's interesting. Um, so Robert and Shanna Park Harrison is one couple that I'm unfamiliar with, but they do lots of pretty, it looks kind of like surreal fantasy art. Like there's a man carrying a chair on his back and his head is like decompensating into birds that are flying away. Hmm. Oh, so like really trippy and weird. I think I've seen that. Um, Christo and Jean Claude are conceptual artists, and their projects come from ideas from their hearts and brains. The enduring partnership has stood the test of time, and they completed about twenty projects together. They completed something called the Floating Piers, which was a walkway of shimmering yellow fabric that offered visitors to Italy's Lake Iseo the chance to traverse across the water. Mm. That's cool. It looks really fucking cool. Uh, it's very large, like massively large. Oh, like a floating island. It looks like. like a floating island with a yellow brick road going to it. Yeah. Interesting. But across the surface of a, like a huge lake. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Say, and from here, it looks like, you know, it's... Yeah. Three quarters, half a mile long. Yeah. yeah. So British artists Tim Noble and Sue Webster utilize unconventional items to create mind-boggling works of art. Some of their most striking and most popular pieces are trash. So they make art out of trash. Uh-huh. And like, for example, this one, when you look at the pile of trash, it looks like a pile of trash, but it has a spotlight pointed at it. And so the shadow that it casts is of mm. two people sitting back to back. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really neat. Um I'm hoping that so Marsha Blaker and Paul DeSama, um, they create cascading waves out of glass inspired by the love of nature. They're really cool. They look like huge waves. Oh, oh wow. interesting. Yeah. Like yeah. White caps on the top mm-hmm. and um, Minimium together. Photographers Pierre Javel and Akiko Ida make up Minimium, a moniker that's a play on words by combining miniature and yummy in French. It's Miam. <laughs> They're equally as playful image images imagine food that's inhabited by tiny people who interact with it like a grandiose grandiose landscape. So oh, I've in, seen their work. There's yeah. like very cool sprinkled donuts with people uh-huh. golfing off the top of them. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, their yeah. work is, very is really cute. cool. Uh, people falling into the open pit of an avocado mm-hmm. where the pit mm-hmm. used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, Hari and Deepti, I've heard of before. They are um, they approach art making with different skill sets. Hari is a trained graphic designer and illustrator, while Deep Tea specializes in cut paper art. Their dramatic shadow boxes incorporate flexible LED lighting to bring the fantastical scenes to life. Paper is brutal in its simplicity as a medium, they state. Theirs is really cool. So they have like backlit sort of cut paper. Yeah. I would I would agree with that statement about it being kind of brutal and its oh, simplicity. Oh, I, yeah. I really enjoy it's, paper as a medium. I think um, I'd read somewhere that uh, if you're you know uh, if you're looking to like make a painting or you're starting to like do a drawing or something, sometimes it can help to use like a neutral gray paper to start from or a more ah. neutral tone because people 
often think of like, oh, blank white paper. And, and it's, it's actually like a very stimulating, bright surface yes. to start from. Yeah. Whereas starting from something a little more neutral, it's like you can either lighten it or darken it. You can sure. move mm -hmm. in. Yeah. And it, it kind of, um, I don't know. I've, I've wanted to try that um, in my own, own art at some point. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, just paper in, in so many forms is just such a brutal medium because it is so, so simple and mm -hmm. very, very stark. Yes. Yeah. It's very confrontational. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it has a, an element of delicacy too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like there's this sort of, well, like but I, it'll I'm cut thinking you. of, it'll, oh, <laughs> sorry, oh. sorry. Uh, in the worst way. <laughs> in the worst. Yeah. Um, I, I, my, I have a lot of experience with sewing and so like, uh, one of one, tr there's various fabrics that are tricky to sew, but like one of them is leather and one element of why it is, can be more difficult to sew, uh, is that you can't ever redo it. Like you can't uh, take stitches out cause you yeah. have permanent holes that yeah, really yeah. like go away. Right. And I feel like there's like an element of that to paper too. That Yeah. That, yeah. That it, typically doesn't take a lot you can't handle it a lot so no it's like once you once you fold it that's where the fold right, is that's where the fold is yeah. or you know once you cut it of course but like when you even when you draw on it like there's a limit to how much you can really like erase or remove or mm -hmm. cover yep. if you do any kind of watercolor like you're really managing the how much water like yeah like how um yeah, and once mm -hmm. once a part's pigmented like it's it's very difficult to remove right, that right, yeah right, yeah right. you're done Watercolor is my favorite kind of painting. Yeah. Yeah, I love doing it. I love I, how it a looks. really good watercolor. I do too, yeah. Yeah, like I I my initial experience, sorry. My initial experiences with watercolor was my own and I found it very frustrating and I didn't understand it and it seemed super limited mm. and I found it really hard to to often get the kind of pigment that I wanted. Oh. But then like once I've seen really well done watercolor, I'm just like that's stunning. Mhm. Mm um, My aunt so is a very sort of talented watercolor artist. Mm -hmm. She went. She got an MFA. And the kind of paper oh. you use. Really oh, matter difference. Yes. You, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> sure, I was using like you know cheap Crayola watercolors when I very first started, but also the kind of paper you. Use. Yeah, some like yeah. well polished uh, or pressed uh, printer paper that's fairly <laughs> water resistant. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. yeah. And, but once it once the water actually takes to it, the paper just like <laughs> warps and just disintegrates. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I've got all these yep. weird puddles now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want this to have spots, but now it does. Mm -hmm. Now it does. Yeah. There's I'm, a tattoo artist that I really enjoy uh, who tattoos under BambiCon and uh, does these really lovely like watercolor tattoos, which I find oh, that's cool. So enjoyable. Neat. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. <clears throat> um what time is it it's um well we've we're at 50 minutes we could probably transition into our colors of the day Should we talk about the colors of the day yeah let's i mean like uh, i guess we could circle back to the whole concept here the like just because sometimes art doesn't work out doesn't mean that you shouldn't try i think we should it. at least wrap up with that make lots of art make all different kinds of art yeah i mean i, I guess i feel like what's carried in that comment i think of things like uh fixed sign mindset and growth mindset like just that idea that like if you're so focused on an accomplishment or an outcome or you know sort of success or winning or something like that you're you are 
it limits what you can do. Yep. And so, yeah, but like, no act of creation is ever too small. Yeah. Just go make something. Yes. Make something that didn't exist before. Yes. I feel very strongly that that is important uh, for the world, but also for individuals. Like, yeah, it engages a part of ourselves. Yep. And if some part of, if anyone's listening to this, any single person is like, well, I'm not creative or I can't make anything. I will just tell you that's bullshit. You're wrong. And there is something you can make. Um, yes. So. It's true. You can make it. But you if it. you still think you can't, you can also email us and I'll argue with you via text. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll take, yeah. This, we'll I, take this out of the page. <laughs> <laughs> you like that? I do. I do like that. Um, all right. I have uh, contacted the research department and they've come back with some colors of the day. Um, if this is your first time listening, we... I, I think if you want the context for why we continue to do colors of the day or why we have this segment at it's all. It's because it's awesome. It, it is. This but is also, um, if you look back, I think we have a, a podcast called Pantone Bullshit. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that would be the reference podcast for this, for, for why we continue or wh- where we came up with this. Um, I don't know that we specifically talk about doing colors of the day, but it's just where we kind of get into the whole Pantone color bullshit. Um, I mean, it says it right in the title. Anyway, um, the colors of the day. So two colors. Uh, The first one we've got is unfortunate blue, but that's, uh, yeah, like the sort of B-L-E-U spelling. Aha, the French spelling. The French spelling, yeah. And this is kind of a cornflower blue, would you say? What do you think, Lauren? Um, It is... It's a little, it's a little it's, loud for cornflower. Yeah, okay, and it also yeah. has less purple in it than I think cornflower would have. Okay, sure. Um, it's a very light aqua. I would call it aqua. Mm, okay. Aqua. So uh, if you're first time listening to this, I'm going to give out the hexadecimal value first. That's something you can just pop into Google really quick, and it'll pull up this color for you, and you'll be able to view it. So if you want to see or what Unfortunate Blue looks like, um, that's Octothorpe three zero Delta Charlie Foxtrot Echo. Again, that's Octothorpe three zero D C F E. And an Octothorpe is also known as a hash sign. Yeah, or pound hash sign or right. pound sign. Um, yeah, so you're just going to put in pound sign with three uh, zero D C F E. Pop that into Google, you'll see it. Um, if you can somehow visualize RGB values, this is the uh, red, green, bl- blue value of four eight. Two 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 five four. It would be amazing if somebody could do that. I think. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. You don't need that zero on there. Four eight. Uh, four eight two two zero two five four. Did there I not say go. that? Yeah. Okay, so RGB value values forty eight two hundred twenty two hundred and fifty four. Um, I mean, uh, RGB values help me kind of visualize it because I know how much of the three colors are present. So I think about where when I'm when I'm visualizing like an RGB value that somebody tells me about I'm thinking about like in this instance that I know that it has only about 48 red mm-hmm. and so that's between the number between 0 and 254 or 255 like 1 and 255 right so at 48 it's like it's not a lot of red um, it's a lot of green and it's a lot of blue 
right? So I'm yeah. just kind of thinking about the content of this color in my mind a little bit. Yes. Um, I mean, it, by no means am I going to be able to like perfectly pick that out. But anyway, the uh, other color to go with this is the uh, Benedict- Benedictine Whimsicality. Mm-hmm. Great name. And this one is like a, a sort of, I don't know, how would you describe this color? Uh, Pumpkin. And rusty pumpkin. Rusty pumpkin. Rusty pumpkin. Um, rusty almost sounds a little too red. This is kind of like <laughs> I mean it looks like iron it's, oxide. It, it does, does actually look like it looks like like rust that you rust. Would fi- yeah, rust you would find on a piece of metal. Which is why I originally said pumpkin, because yeah. 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 But it's uh, pretty pretty orangey rust. All right. So the hexadecimal value again, Burnt just pop Sienna. this into Google, uh, is going to be Octothorpe Charlie Bravo seven, six, zero niner. That's, uh, hashtag CB seven, six, zero nine. Um, yes. and then the RGB values are 203, 118 and nine. So lots of, lots of red, lots of blue, very little, or sorry, lots of red and lots of green and very little blue. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's definitely, I, it's, it's kind of like a, like a burnt Sienna. Yeah. Um, it's more, I would say it's more in the Benedictine whimsicality. Like it's much closer to Benedictine whimsicality than it is burnt Sienna though. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So those are, that's everything I think. Um, so great. Yeah. Uh, anyway, thanks everybody for listening. Thank um, you. I'm glad I can. Okay. Oh, yes. And thank you, Lauren, Thanks for joining for us again show. for the first time. Um, it was a yeah. delight, as always, for my first time. As always. Yeah. Uh, and again, we do actually like to hear from you. So if you're listening, and we know there are a fair number of you listening every month. So um, send us an email. And yeah. That's, uh, you can email Dana, D A N A, at fcbm.io. She's our executive assistant. She will forward you on to whoever you have a question for or you know whatever just let us know what's on your mind your thoughts yep um yeah and also like you know let us know if you don't want to be mentioned on the podcast by name which we i don't think we would ever do you never know without you being like hey put my name out there say my name yeah um obviously yeah i mean anyway uh, yeah uh, privacy is important so if you do email us like presume presume a certain level of privacy and we'll go from there. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Right. Okay. Thanks. Everybody. That was really clear. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks everybody. Bye. Okay, bye.